Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. Obviously, if all seniors had the option, they would be living at home, but sometimes that isn't always possible. Well, guess what? That is where Texan Senior Residential Care Homes comes into the picture. Texan specializes in making its facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. I'm talking full living room, kitchen, dining room, cable TV, music, games, fireplace, you name it. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes has it. They've even got home-cooked meals by experts. It's an extra throw-in. Not only that, there are no move-in fees, no visitation restrictions, so your loved ones are free to stop by and visit anytime they please. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes are located at I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more info, you can call 469-400-7650. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Brian Murphy and Devin Hassan. Gentlemen, we are on the back half of the regular season for high school football. Already. Just like that. <laughs> it's flown by just like that. So uh, for this podcast, I wanted to look at um, look at some teams that are riding some nice little winning streaks through the uh, through the first half of the regular season. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to look at um, look at some teams that are uh, that played last week and are now riding winning streaks of at least four games um, within our uh, within our markets. Um, these will be six A and five A, of which we have what let's see six teams that uh, that fit this qualification. So let's let's chat about a few a, few, a couple teams that we just don't really get to chat about a whole yeah. lot on the podcast. So let's. Um, um, let's start with um, at least the um, at least in six A one of the uh, one of the only unbeaten's that we have left, and that is a uh, Rowlett. Just yes. tearing through District 10 6A. Flying under the radar. And, you know, as far as area circles go, I mean, everybody talks about the, the heavyweights, and they're, they're, those heavyweights just certainly lived up to the billing, not just Allen, but, uh, you know, Cedar Hill and, and, and Trinity and Duncanville and all these people. Yeah, Rowlett, quietly 5-0 and, and and just kind of hanging in there. And there's a reason they don't get quite the fanfare from, from area fans, um, you know, simply because they don't overwhelm they, they They're not flashy. They don't overwhelm you. Uh, they've got some nice wins. Uh, most of the league is playing when they were able to pull out that game late, yeah. uh, you know, in, in the final non-district game, uh, they still kind of look back and uh, what, what, if they got that game against Rockwall in, that would have been a real good, you know, barometer for mm-hmm. where they stand. But you know, they've just gone about taking care of business in, in, in district play. You know, forty-eight to fourteen over Damon Forest. They were actually down thirteen to three to North Garland at halftime uh, in that game, and then they reel off thirty unanswered in the second half and, and win going away. And then it's a very methodical win last week against South Garland, uh, forty-two to twenty. So yeah, five and zero overall. Uh, three you know, in 10-6A, that puts them in a tie for first place with Saxe. Uh, you know, they, again, they're not the most flashy team out there, but they just go about their business. Chase Topal, their quarterback, uh, you know, he's thrown for 872 yards, but the most important thing is he doesn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. He's thrown for 11 touchdowns, two interceptions all season long. Um, and that's, you know, in 
you know, 115 attempts, and any coach will take that. They got their bruising, you know, guy on the on the ground in Chauncey Amos, who's rushed for 400 yards. He's averaging about six yards a carry. Uh, that the kind of workhorse that Rallis leaned on in the back. They do have some really good talent on on the outside and wide receiver. Jerry Evans is, is a game breaker. He week in week out, he makes big plays, highlight real plays that you see on huddle and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Hull's another guy. He averages 20 yards a catch. And Trayvon King's kind of slipped in nicely as that third uh, wide receiver option. More of a possession guy, but helps him move the chains. You know, so coming into the season, Riley's big question, I think, was on defense just because they had so many guys to replace. But they've gotten guys that, that have stepped up. Uh, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Epicano on the defensive line has just been kind of a force up there in the trenches. Uh, Darius Dunlap is a younger player that's really stepped in. Uh, Demodric Wade is a player that, that was one of their key cogs last year that, that's really kind of stepped into that starring role since they graduated their two leading tacklers. And the secondary we knew was going to be good with Lance Canyon, uh, Jerry Wesley, Cameron Miles, uh, Ennis Anderson. Uh, that group has, has, has done a good job. Again, they haven't played the toughest competition. Um, 10-6A, I don't, know, I don't want to rank the districts as far as the area 6A districts go, but top to bottom, I think a lot of people believe that it's not one of the strongest districts. So all you can do is, is play who's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And they've gone about their business, uh, taking care of what they needed to do, uh, next week, uh, they have a bye this week, but yeah. next week they play at Wiley in a game that I don't think many people really thought much of maybe before the season started. Um, and it's certainly not when Wiley got off to a winless start. But uh, Wiley has is, is come on strong these last couple of weeks uh, with a couple of, of solid wins. I mean, they took care of – they're up 50 to nothing at halftime against Garland. Uh, now, Garland's kind of been a team that's mm-hmm. taken some lumps. They're also yeah. down 42 to nothing at the halftime to Saxe last week, and they had to run the clock in the You're second half. You're on the right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll talk about – that's my other alma mater. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still but, fresh. Yeah, but uh, then then uh, Wiley picks up a, a real solid victory over Lakeview last week um, in, in a mm. team that they're going to be battling for that one of those final playoff spots for. So I think that'll be a good test for Rowlett. Uh, um, you know, I guess a Wiley team that we've talked about even early in the season that traditionally comes on strong as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the, the game they have circled is the November 9th, the yeah. final game of the regular season uh, where they take on Saxe and what could be a pair of district undefeateds. And yeah. Saxe seems to be kind of finding their stride. Uh, they, they put Derrick Rose, moved him from wide receiver to quarterback last week, and it paid off huge against in that easy win over Garland. So we'll see if they can continue to make progress there. But, uh, yeah, Rowlett in good shape. And, uh, you know, Looking to, to extend that, they haven't missed the playoffs since 2004, and they're looking they're in prime position to extend that streak once again. It does feel like, yeah, the playoff thing is feels like a foregone conclusion at this point. As far as kind of just big picture stuff for Rowlett, I mean, what do you think the odds are that have they ever gone 10 and 0? Or I mean, just no. Wow, so that's and it's very much yeah, in play. No, I mean, in, in, in fact, that, I think that it's probably like it's actually probability at this point. Yeah, two two years ago, that was what the big deal is. They met Saxe in Week Nine, and they were both undefeated. Okay. That's what that had one of the biggest crowds in Garland ISD history out there at that game. But Saxe was actually able to get that, and they went on to the undefeated uh, regular season. But no, Saxe uh, Rylett's best regular season was that season. They went nine and one, which they've done twice. Uh, this it's a real possibility, but they're not getting too far ahead of themselves. Yeah. Uh, again, they got the big one against Wiley in two weeks, and then. The, the the rivalry matchup. Um, and, and one thing we alluded to uh, a couple weeks ago, and now this is kind of up in the air, when North Carolina was kind of rolling along, and it looked like North Carolina was a, a potential playoff team. Well, North Carolina is the second largest school in that district uh, th- this year. Uh, whereas Gar- Saxon and Rattle have been the big the two largest enrollments for years and years and years, so you thought that not only was that game for, coming down for the district title, but it's also for seeding in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, 
if North Garland can still hang around and be one of those playoff teams, Rowlett would be bumped, assuming Saxe makes it as well, which seems incredibly likely. You know, Rowlett will be bumped down to Division Two, which sets them up with a little bit different matchup in the first round because it's looking more and more like it's going to be Allen and Plano East, yeah. two very, very good teams coming out of Division One and Nine Six A. So if they were to go Division Two, uh, you know, that catches them a little bit of break there. They've already beat Plano, so you know, it's it kind of opens the road up a little bit as opposed to having to take on a, a Potentially, you know, say what you will about Plano East. We know Allen's a top ten team in the yeah. state. Plano East, a lot of people are is kind of gaining traction that Plano East could be of that caliber. Um, so to avoid one of those first two teams, mm-hmm. you know, in the first round anyway, uh, you know, could be a big benefit going forward. Let's shift gears to Frisco. Let's talk about a team that uh, I don't even know if we've mentioned Independence yet on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, not really. And no. Here they are. Like, well, you said Rowlett flying under the radar. Here's Independence four and one, not too far off from being five and zero. Oh. Brian, talk about the Knights. You would have told me that they yeah. had a four game winning streak yeah. going into week six or week seven or whatever. Yeah. I would have said you're crazy. You know, this team could finish second in the district, yeah. maybe even first. They're still in position, you know, to, to give Lone Star a game whenever they they match up this mm-hmm. weekend. You know, so uh, <laughs> big uh, big teaser there for for big. Uh, Friday game that I didn't really have, you know, circled on the calendar at the beginning of the year. You know, they have a, a girl kicker, by the way, Brooke Cohen. I want to give her a shout out. That's you know, awesome. you get, she booted all of her extra points last week. I, I finally got to see them play against Heritage. They beat the breaks out of Heritage last week, 35 14, for their first win over Heritage in school history. You know, those schools are like 0.9 miles apart, right down Independence Boulevard or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they finally beat them. They didn't even beat uh, Heritage. Back with Dom Williams when Independence had that playoff team, nine win team. Yeah. And so when I talked to Coach Story after the game, he's a man, I've been waiting five years to beat this team. It feels <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, man, Independence looks really good. Their quarterback is a sophomore, uh, Braylon Braxton. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my first time seeing him play live. He is a smooth operator. He's big. He looks like he's about 6'2. Uh, when I saw him finally up close, you know, he had two touchdowns, did not turn the ball over. He can run the ball. He's going to be a candidate for newcomer of the year in this district. And he's going to be a candidate for you know in the these next two years to come. He'll he'll be a, an offensive player of the year candidate for for this district. Also, he's he's that good. He's the real deal. And this is a team that uh, you know looking ahead to Friday, obviously a massive game for them. But hey, I mean Lone Star looks like it's still at least on paper they might be the favorite. But it doesn't. I mean it doesn't sound like Independence is just going to get run over if recent if Lone Star's recent track record is any indication. We've, we've talked about Lone Star the last couple weeks on this podcast, and I've talked about their offensive struggles. And once again, they they struggle to get points on the board against Wakeland, but they just shut out a, a really good Wakeland team. Yeah. So Independence has not faced a team, a defense, I should say, like Lone Star. So we'll see how a sophomore like Braylon Braxton uh, you know, can respond to a, a championship-level defense. Mm-hmm. You know, Every game with, with Lone Star, I don't want to turn this into a Lone Star Independence no, no. preview. We don't have to. But, yeah. you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I think this will be a much closer than you think. And, you know, Independence, they are quietly – Quietly, a really good team. You know, they have a, a seasoned veteran at running back, Logan Brungart. Yeah, he was the newcomer of the year as a sophomore, versatile player, at, <laughs> as a defensive back. Yeah, led the. I know he led the team in tackles that year. He had over 100 tackles. He may have been among the district leaders. And then he made the move last year, kind of out of necessity. You know, with Don Williams gone, to, he made the move to running back. He's the full-time running back now. He's rushed for over 100 yards almost every game uh, this year. Uh, just a stud uh, athlete, really in general, and he's been a, a key component for that offense, you know, and man, this Independence team is... is how, how does the rest of their schedule stack up? Obviously, they got the big challenge this week, but down down the stretch, does it, it, it get considerably more difficult, or is it... It, 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 it gets more difficult because you have Lone Star, and you have Wakeland, and you have Little Elm, albeit they're struggling right now, but, you know, Little Elm still, if they get things figured out, that quarterback situation figured out, that's a tough opponent, and then they play the Colony. 
Oh, so they're their toughest challenge. Yeah, those are yeah. four in a row. Four in a row wow. coming up. So, so just out of yeah. stretch. So we'll learn a lot about where Independence <laughs> stacks up. And nothing to take away from Independence, but their first two district games were against Liberty and Heritage. Yeah, and they're winless. Both teams are winless. So. But they beat both of them pretty handily. Yeah, so, yeah that's, I mean, what that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, for sure. If you're a good team and you're playing a, a quote-unquote non-playoff team, bad team, whatever you want to call it, and you beat them by 20, 30 points, and that's what they did. But, you know, a lot will be seen in the coming weeks when you're playing against teams that are mm-hmm. playoff-caliber opponents, yeah. district-champion-caliber opponents. I feel like the same thing applies to another team that we can transition to uh, to Marcus out in a, out in District 6-6A. Marcus is 4-1, and one, and they've won four in a row since dropping their opener to, uh, to Arlington Bowie. Uh, ever since, they followed with wins over McKinney-Boyd, Waxahachie, Irving, and Irving-Nimitz, a game that I was actually at last Friday. I got a, uh, I got a break from District 9 6 with them being on by and got a chance to see Marcus, I think, for the first time since, like, 2014. And, um, yeah, it was actually a really good game. <laughs> uh, with Marcus, um, you, you kind of knew going into this season where the identity lied. It was in the backfield with mm-hmm. Justin Dinka, mm-hmm. you know, one of the top running backs in the state. Um, and the running game has been there for Marcus this season. I mean, between Dinka and, um, you know, their, other, their number two back, Tyson Edwards, they're averaging right around six yards a carry between those two. The question, as always, though, is going to be just the development of the passing game and just uh, the, the progression of Garrett Nussmeyer and um, just his growth and ability to just, because you obviously want to do all you can to deter defenses from stacking the box against Dinka because mm-hmm. teams are well aware of just how, uh, how potent and he can be. I mean, he's been doing it since his sophomore year, just tearing through um, just defenses left and right. Um, you know, and that was kind of the case with Nussmeyer, a very kind of a, kind of an up-and-down game against Nimitz, but he really rounded into form late. He completed six of his final eight passes and helped lead a pair of fourth-quarter scoring drives, and that's all he needs to do. Just be, just just stay efficient and just keep just keep the chains moving. It's not a big play offense through the air, um, and, you know, they don't need to be. You've got that kind of explosiveness in the backfield. And plus, I mean, it also helps when you have a defense that's averaging three takeaways a game. Wow. Um, and that was where um, I mean that was where the game Friday against Nimitz you know kind of kind of swung. This was a very back and forth game. Nimitz actually led for the majority of the game, but then Marcus was able to force um, and recover a pair of fumbles in the fourth quarter. Um, it was it was Ben don't break defense at its finest. I mean if you Nimitz got down, they advanced on their last three drives of the game. And think this is a game that was decided by a 27-23 final. So you think about how close it was. In the last three drives, they got to at least the Marcus 21 yard line. And they didn't score a single point mm. between those three drives. It was you had um, you know the two uh, the two fumbles that were lost um, right near the red zone, and then their last drive of the game they they tried to uh, get off a last second play. Um, they were down at what the nineteen I want to say. They tried to get off a last second play. They threw it on the uh, they didn't throw into the end zone. First off, they threw onto the flat to one of their receivers. Tried to cut up field, and then the turf monster got him, and he huh. fell down, and <laughs> that was how the game ended. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, yeah, Marcus's defense has um, they forced 15 turnovers already this season in just five games played, including six against McKinney Boyd. Um, but I believe they've um, I believe it's been at least two in every game this season. If not, then four out of five. I mean, it's a defense that really does thrive in that in that phase of the game. And I mean, yeah, that'll that'll help your case anytime. As far as yeah, I mean, it, it saved them on Friday against Nimitz, which a Nimitz team that well well exceeded my expectations. Sounds like the Dallas Cowboys need to take notes from Marcus in, yes. in creating turnovers. <laughs> Very much so, and but much like Independence, though we're going to get a bit of a better idea as mm-hmm. far as where uh, Marcus stacks up in the grand scheme of things because they've got big games. These next three are against Hebron, Capel, and Flower Mound. So right now, um, right there with Marcus as far as the uh, you know the the other teams that are um, you know looking like the playoff you know, the likely playoff teams in that district. So mm-hmm. as far as where where Marcus fits in that pecking order, if they do it all, I mean yeah, we'll get a much better idea within these next uh, these next three weeks. Let's um. 
Let's run out the first half of this podcast with a look at District 75A Division 1's streaking team. Those Poteet Pirates, man. Another team that's won four in a row. Devin, just talk a little bit about Poteet. You know, Poteet just has a certain feel about him. I mean, it's it's akin to a couple of years ago when they got off to a slow start against top competition and ended up going to the state semifinals that year. Uh, it, I'm not proclaiming they're going to want a deep playoff run just yet, but they just have that, that certain feel to them. I mean, is and they just uh, get uh, kind of like Rylette, they're real methodical and and. and you know, they lost to Denton Ryan in the first week of the season, 20-14 in a very competitive game. And they've since just, they've kind of, not steamrolled, but their defense has really come around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave up seven points. They blew out Waxahachie, 48-7, in a game that, that Waxahachie scored in garbage time. Uh, Mansfield Summit, a 6A program. They beat 24-21. Tyler Lee is another 6A program. They won 46-21. They gave up 14 points in, like, the first five minutes and then shut the door the rest of the way. And last week against Sherman, uh, you know, a Sherman team that's, Put up big, big numbers against the beginning North in their upset win uh, the week before. Really held them in check. I mean, Sherman came out and, and kind of caught them off guard early. Um, but once Poteet adjusted to that, they really controlled the entire game. Uh, that defense, that front seven is very active. Uh, Bershard Glaspie, Jonathan Kath, uh, Jeremiah Record, Joe Thomas, Jalen Updike. It seems like these guys are always running the ball. And then their secondary is, is opportunistic. Jalen Hodo is kind of the leader of that unit. He had a 23-tackle game a couple weeks ago um, in their win wow. over Tyler Lee. Um, you know, so Potitza is, is kind of been rolling right along. Uh, they have Texas High um, this upcoming week, a team that I think a lot of people thought was going to be a playoff team, but it's really kind of taken some lumps. They got, you know, just thumped by John Tyler in the opener, which was not totally unexpected. But then going out and losing to McKinney North last week was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, so that's a team kind of reeling and, and fighting for its playoff life right now. Uh, but, you know, offensively, Potit has one of the best players, one of the best running backs in the area is Seth McGowan. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's rushed for 650 yards and nine touchdowns, but I think they're really trying to botch it. You know, Seth McGowan missed half of last season with an injury. Uh, um, and so I think they're really trying to protect, not protect him, but they're not trying to overwork him if they don't have to. For instance, last week against Sherman, he had three carries for 11 yards in the first half. And Bookie was still comfortably in front, but they just didn't want to overuse him. They don't want to risk that uh, the potential, potential injury. But again, he is capable of that uh, type of performance of the workhorse. Last year in a winner-go-home uh, game against West Mesquite, he carried the ball 38 times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look for when he, they get into those bigger games, look for him to carry more and more of that load. But they have a capable passing game as well. Dalton Dale has not been asked to throw terribly much. He's averaged about 14 attempts a game. But uh, he's been effective. They've got some big play weapons on the outside. Uh, Cam Lampton, who's also a, a threat on special teams. He has a kickoff return for a touchdown. Nearly housed a punt for a touchdown uh, last week. Uh, Tristan Golightly, uh, Devin Martin, their 6'4", 240-pound sophomore wide receiver who is wow, just a... Sophomore, eh? Yeah, wow. yeah. And, and Lewis Moore, who just seems to make plays. It's just Every time I see Poteet play, he has a 50-plus yard play. So they've got playmakers out there. And, again, they've just been kind of, you know, taking care of what they needed to do uh, going forward. They have, obviously, the big one-week stretch um, in late October, early November. They play uh, West Mesquite in their Crosstown rivalry game. And then they have John Tyler at home the following week. Uh-huh. On, on, a potential could be for the district championship. Don't want to you know ride off any of the other teams. Certainly not West Mesquite uh, at this point. But uh, yeah, Poteet after that slow start, I should say slow start because Denton Ryan's a great team. But uh, you know they've they learned from that experience and. Um, 
four and one, looking strong going forward. Now I saw Poteet play last year in the second round of the playoffs against Prosper. They got beat pretty bad, but I remember talking to the head coach after the game. He said they were really banged up. Yeah. And they were playing a lot of young kids, but they were going to be poised to be really good this year. Is that what was going on? Oh, they, they he said in all his years of coaching, he had never gotten hit by injuries as hard as he did okay, last I think season. I remember him saying that. Too, and, and, yeah, because yeah, you know Seth McGowan, the running back, he was back by that point in time. But, you know, he for, he missed the first half. But, I mean, it, it didn't – you name a, a – set of positions, whether it be the offensive line, whether it be wide receiver, whether it be D-line. Like, they had significant injuries all the way across the board. And they've been hit by by that a little bit this year. I mean, every team's going to have that mm-hmm. happen, particularly when you get late in the season. But, yeah, I mean, having to force some of those younger guys, you see it with all the, these programs all the time, mm-hmm. you know, you, I, you know, it's unfortunate at the time that you have to plug in, you know, 8, 10 sophomores that aren't ready for varsity action. But, you know, as far as looking toward the future, that does pay huge dividends having that experience sometimes. Um, let's see. Another team that um, is off to a very hot start for the first half of its of its season is the Colony, and the Colony is actually the subject of our student athlete spotlight for this edition of the podcast. Uh, Justin Thomas had a chance to chat with their standout running back, receiver. I think he plays some defensive back. He's <laughs> he, whatever it is, he's great at. Uh, Miles Price. Uh, Miles Price had a chance to talk a bit about his just impressive season, the Cougars' impressive season, and we will see what he had to say after a word from this sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, if you need it painted, ATD painting has got you covered. At ATD painting, their goal is to provide a home improvement experience that is a great value, trouble-free, and enjoyable. And painting is really just kind of scratching the surface as to what they uh, as to what these appointments entail. For ATD painting's interior projects, things like painting, wall repair, ceiling repair, they'll make sure that your floors and furniture are protected and that everything is all cleaned up afterwards. For exterior projects, not only will they do the painting, but they will hand scrape loose paint, reattach loose boards, recalk windows or doors, plus much more. Not only that, if you visit their website right now, atdpainting.com, you can find a coupon for $200 off a complete exterior purchase. Um, Once again, ATD Painting. They've got four locations in the Metroplex, including in Plano and Louisville. For more information, call 972-694-8888 or visit atdpainting.com. That is ATD Painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, we're here with Miles Price, junior football player for the Colony. So, Miles, uh, thanks for taking a couple minutes to join us on the uh, podcast here today. No problem. I guess if we were uh, if we were talking last year at this time, I would be introducing you as a running back and defensive back. But I guess yeah. uh, a little more going with wide receiver this year instead, huh? Yeah, yeah, we doing more wide receiver with me this year. So just talk a little bit about that dynamic and how that's kind of played out and how things are kind of a little different for you this season, being more primarily a wide receiver versus a running back uh, on offense. It's actually been a lot easier, you know, running back. I wasn't getting as many touches, but now with receiver, I feel like I'm getting a little bit more. So it's opening me up. It's putting me in open field with DBs, so I'm able to expose them. With your uh, just your knowledge of the offense, was that pretty a pretty easy transition for you, or was it a pretty uh, challenging with the playbook and stuff? No, nah, it was it was an easy transition. Not, it wasn't bad. Okay, how much time would you say you kind of devote uh, playing two ways in practice, in particular on offense versus defense? How do you kind of divide your workload? Uh, whenever they need me, yeah. <laughs> if they need me on defense, I go out there. If they need me on offense, I go out there. Do you have a uh, preference on which side of the ball you enjoy playing more? <laughs> uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> it's offense. Offense, just yeah. getting the ball and. Uh, yeah, I like the ball in my hands. So if I'm on an opposing team 
is it harder for me to cover Miles Price or harder to uh, harder <laughs> yeah. to get open against Miles Price? Oh, it's harder to cover. Harder to cover? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to get open on you too, but it's harder to cover me in my opinion. Very good. So you guys are off to a good start. Uh, unbeaten in district so far going into the game against Heritage. Um, just from your perspective, what have you seen from your guys' uh, team so far this season? Uh, they are working. They do put in a lot of work. We just I think everything really good. Yeah, they just, yeah. just putting in work. Talk about your guys' offense. You guys seem to have playmakers all over the field, uh, more experience under center with Mikey in his second season. Just talk yeah. about the uh, the offense you guys have. Uh, we got a, we kind of have a young, it's like a young team. We got a young slash old team. But everybody, everybody a playmaker on the team. You give anybody the ball, they're going to make a play. Do you guys have any little kind of competitions within the team? Uh, you guys put up really long touchdowns. Do you have any kind of competitions oh, yeah. or anything like that? Yeah. Um, Keith, when Keith laid the way in, Kez, he was – we everybody start trying to do it in practice, so they try to do a little competition with that, and then we always see we can get the longest touchdown, so things like that. For those that don't know, Miles is talking about a, a one-handed catch that Keith Miller made that landed <laughs> yeah. him on Sports Center earlier this season. So, yeah. um, when you guys take the field, each offensive possession, do you really, you really truly believe any play is a play you guys can score a touchdown on? Mm -hmm. And then when you kind of look at defensively, how do you feel the defensive side's kind of been uh, playing so far? They've been doing all right. We, you know, it's always room for improvement, but they've been doing fine. We're going to get better each game. You guys have made the playoffs uh, at the Colony five years in a row now coming into this season. So um, mm -hmm. what were the expectations of the team this year, and where do you guys feel you're at right now as you kind of get, get towards your goal of making it back to the playoffs? Uh, we have high expectations, actually. We have real high expectations. I feel like we can go far this year. This is our chance right here. So you have a big one with uh, Heritage this week, and then obviously Lone Star coming up. Oh, I know you guys are looking forward to that one after playing them in the playoffs yes. last year. Is it, is it tough to kind of keep the focus before you get to that one? or? Nah, not really. No? Nah. Coach Rango keeps you guys in line and on page. Yep. Um, talk a little bit just about, um, obviously, you've been uh, making a lot of plays. I know your kind of recruiting's probably heating up for you a little bit. How's that process playing out for you so far? It's been pretty good. It's moving a little slow right now, but it's been good so yeah. far. Are, do you feel most colleges are looking at you just kind of as an athlete, or do you feel like they're yeah. looking more as, so you don't really have probably a preference, yeah. offense or defense? When it comes to college, I don't have no preference. Okay. Just trying to get it paid for so you guys are halfway done. What, what's what been the focus of uh, practice this week, and what do you guys think the key is for you moving these last four games, getting to the playoffs? Uh, just keep going hard. You can't take no plays off, no days off, things like that. Very good. All right, Miles, anything else you wanted to mention? We're going to win district and hopefully go to state. That's <laughs> all I can really say. Very good. Well, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us for the podcast, and good luck for the rest of the season for you and uh, for the Thank Cougars. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Miles Price for taking the time to chat for our student athlete spotlight. So in the meantime, Dustin Hassan has tagged in Taylor Raglan to round out the second half of this podcast as we continue to look at teams that are riding some pretty impressive winning streaks. It's a quick addendum that we're only referring to teams that are riding winning streaks of four or more that played last week. So with all due respect to Plano East and Allen yeah. who are off this week, um, we're focusing on um, you know some teams now, um, a couple unbeatens. Um, that aren't playing to Eastern Allen, but they're nevertheless the 7-5A Division Two. And um, wouldn't you know it, they play each other this week, so something's got to give. Lovejoy and Frisco Reedy. 
Uh, two teams that, uh, let's see, Lovejoy comes into this uh, this week. Well, they're undefeated, 4-0. and um, Reedy, 6-0, and one of the better teams so far in um, in the entire classification so far if you're just going off of just sheer resume. So let's um, let's start with Lovejoy, Taylor. Um, you know, you had a chance to see them uh, twice this season. Yeah, twice. I mean, yep. like they have, they've just laid waste to everybody that's been put in front of them. So yep. just after watching them take down the Lebanon Trail that last week, coupled with just your general, what you'd seen from the Leopards leading up to then, just what is your vibe on how Lovejoy has fared through its undefeated start? I mean, they're one of those teams where, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, you have to beat the teams that are on your schedule. You know, they can't help that they had one of the, you know, one of the easier starts, frankly, to, to 7-5-A Division Two. They can't help that their game against Sulphur Springs was canceled due to lightning. That was one I was looking forward to as far as kind of a measuring stick for them. Sulphur Springs is pretty good and, and would have given us, I think, a better idea than, you know, any of these other teams that they've they've beat up on. Sulphur Springs beat Wakeland. Yeah. Sulphur Springs is undefeated. It's it's a, it is a shame that that game didn't happen. Yeah, so I, I'm able to figure out just what Lovejoy is. Yeah, I wanted to see that game go down just to get an idea of how for real, especially this Lovejoy offense, because the thing that strikes me about them, and, and this will be true certainly against Reedy too, this isn't something that goes away from game to game. They're very mature. They are very veteran heavy. Um, they kind of stay within themselves and do what they do. They were a little herky-jerky in the first half of, of the game against Lebanon Trail. Uh, Bo Ivanelli was out. Um, kind of an undisclosed reason. I'm not I'm not totally certain why, but he'll be back for Reedy. Um but it, it was a little bit, you know, kind of all over the place. They were they were kind of committing some penalties, but that kind of happens sometimes when, you know, you're running out against a team that, you know, as much as Todd Ford is all about, you know, beating who's in front of you, playing where your feet are, and, and every other cliche about not overlooking teams, it's still going to happen when you know you're probably going to go out and beat a team by 40 points, 50 points. So it's, it's, it's a weird situation heading into their matchup with Reed because I do think that their offense is very good. I think Carson Collins, third-year starter, very good, very familiar with the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, third year of coach uh, Ford's tenure as well, so they've you know worked together for a while now and, and are very familiar with each other. Jahi Rainey, I think, is is kind of sneakily, um, I don't want to say underrated because people know about him, but I mean, dude's gone for two hundred plus twice. Like he's he's for real on the ground. He's punishing. He is. He likes to just put his head down and go up the gut and just and just beat teams to death basically with with a very physical running game. Um, against Lebanon Trail, 222 yards on 28 carries. Like he just he does that very consistently when he's out there. So it'll be interesting. But I mean, it, like I said, it's it's definitely a, a proving ground kind of game for for Lovejoy this weekend because it'll be the first time that that we'll get to see them play somebody you know of their caliber or better than them. Because um, what was it the number that you said like up to this point between their four opponents? And three wins. Three wins. Yep. Yeah. Memorial's got one. Lebanon Trail had the one to open the year, and then Braswell's got one. And whether how, how much we learn against you know what might be at least is on paper the best team in the district right now in Reedy. Who knows how much you really take away from that? But just looking ahead of their schedule, you can make a case that they still have left matchups against the five best teams. Oh yeah, the they district. have the for as for yeah. as as easy as it was to this point. You could, it, I mean they definitely have the most backloaded schedule. Yeah. They have to play. Everybody that's in contention in the district, and the only the only benefit is that they do get both Reedy and Lake Dallas at home, mm-hmm. which I mean could be especially in the Lake Dallas game if it proves that Reedy is just clearly the best team in this district. Then yeah. the Lake Dallas and Lovejoy game could be huge, and that you know Lovejoy Lovejoy will get the benefit of, of hosting that one as well. Reedy, I mean this team has just been wow. They're, they're, it, they might be the best. You know, we said early on in the season that might be the best team in Frisco ISD, and so far to this point, I mean. They have uh, 
I mean, they have just done everything and then some that you could have expected out of them. And the team that now, I mean, almost to the point where depending on what happens in their result Friday against Lovejoy, you begin to have some bigger picture conversations as far as oh, what yeah. they can do. Because whereas, you know, we just talked a bit about, you know, just how backloaded the, uh, you know, the Lovejoy schedule was. I mean, Ree has already taken down a lot of those teams. They played everybody but Lovejoy yeah. in that district, I'd say. So that's the exact opposite. So, Brian, I mean, just what is just your read on this Reedy team and what they've just, <laughs> this tour de force they've been on this season? You spoiled my hot take. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Not only is Reedy the best team in this district, they are the best team in Frisco ISD. No doubt about it. Their offensive line, for, that's what I want to talk about yeah. first. Their offensive line is so big. And, you know, when I've seen them play, I've watched them play the Colony. Mm-hmm. I watched them throttle Lake Dallas. Every time I'm in the press box, every time I'm, you know, talking to someone about Reedy or this and that, people that are around the, the, the football scene in the district, or just people just watching the game in general. Man, this their, their offensive line is so big. And I looked it up. They have four guys over 300 pounds. Yeah. On that wow. offensive line. It, it kind of struck me as the same. I haven't seen Reedy yet, but I but when I saw Prosper, it was kind of similar. Like for a, a small Prosper classification going up, it was yeah. like like they have like they I don't have know what dudes up I don't there. know what they're feeding them over there at Reedy. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> but man, it's some big guys, and they're not just fat guys. They're just big, tall, strong offensive linemen that are pushing you around. They push around the colony. Uh, you know, and I want, I want to talk about Will Harbor also. Uh, you know, I, I know you're aware of Will Harbor. Have oh, yeah. You, do you know who Will Harbor is for Reedy? Well, I guess not. I haven't, seen, I, yeah, I haven't seen him play this year, which is kind of my so, disappointment of the year so far. He but. is the most dynamic player that I've gotten to, to watch since I started working here, uh, to be honest with you. He's their kicker. He does their kickoffs. He does their field goals, extra points. He's their all-district first-team, all-district linebacker. You know, might be their best defensive player, maybe. And then he's also their Wildcat quarterback in, in goal line and short yard situations. He against Lake Dallas, he had two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, one from I think nineteen yards out. So he's not just right. getting a little one yard two. No, he he'll he'll take it on you. He's six foot two hundred thirty pounds. Mm-hmm. He's only a junior, and he's just he is just a stud. He he could be MVP of this district just just based off of everything that he does. He I think he won some kind of all purpose MVP or something last year. He was named the utility player of the year on the All Collins yeah. County football team. Yeah, that's put def- that's true. And it, like yeah. the definition of a utility player is yeah. Will Harbor. Yeah, he literally does it all in all three phases of the game. You know, you have guys like Miles Price mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that that are electric in their own way. But like a guy that does three so many different things: kicks, linebacker, wildcat quarterback slash running back. Like who does that? You know, and he adds just a crazy dynamic to the game. For Reedy, and I'm not. I haven't even brought up their Division One tight end slash wide receiver Nolan Matthews, yeah. who really is mainly a decoy most of the time. He's six six, stud basketball player for Reedy. Also, he's going to Arizona State, and you know he doesn't get thrown to a lot because teams are really focusing on him. It's for their you know third year quarterback Josh Foskey to let him do his thing, and you know you've had you know lots of guys step up in the in the running back position, mainly Michael Ferreira come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he wasn't guaranteed that he was going to be a starter coming in this year. And Ch- Coach Chad Cole told me after they beat Lake Dallas, I mean, this dude does everything we ask him to do. He, is, he has just been a great asset to their team. You know, I, I'm, there's really no weakness on this Reedy team. And, you know, they, they have the proven wins, like you said, against the Colony, Lake Dallas. Yeah. You know, they – I will talk about this more, you know, later in the week if we when we do our Game of the Week podcast. I'm sure we'll talk Reedy Lovejoy, of course. But Lovejoy, they haven't played the teams that Reedy's played. You know, especially you know early on. You know, Lovejoy's playing Heritage and, mm-hmm. and Memorial right off the bat. And, you know, Reedy was getting thrown into the fire with the Colony Week Two, and I just there's no way I, I don't that Reedy loses game going into the playoffs. 
And it's I mean, yeah, eventually at some point we'll have to have just these big picture conversations because now like we you know, we lamented weeks ago that oh man, it's a bummer then then Lone Star can't play. Well that game doesn't necessarily look as compelling anymore just with Lone Star's you know, and the struggles that they've been going through. I would I wanna see them against the Lido now. <laughs> I want I want them to just go for the go for the crown. Lido almost lost last yeah. week to Midlothian. They had I'm swinging for the throne. I mean I'm looking over because that's the uh, you know, the, within that region, you know, you look at your regional polls and Alito has just been ranked number one since the start of the year. Reedy's right below him, and I don't know. It's just we uh, Reedy's I, finally getting the respect that they deserve. They, yeah. you know, the first three or four weeks of the season, they weren't sniffing these polls, mm-hmm. and now in the five A, they're getting some votes for all around five A, and then yeah. I see they're number two in Division Two, which is they sh- as they should be. You know, if they and if they beat Lovejoy convincingly. Bring on Alito, man! <laughs> <laughs> if that matchup ever does happen, yeah. should be a, should be a blast with those uh, with the way those two teams have started. So. It's uh, cra- really crazy. Reedy's never even won a playoff game, and they're all, all of a sudden getting this high praise. It's only their third year with a varsity program, mm-hmm. and here they are. So, giving hope for teams like Memorial and and Lebanon Trail up there in first game. Yeah. So that is a look at uh, teams that have done a little bit of a little bit of streaking for the first uh, for the first six weeks of the season. Some teams riding some nice little winning streaks at the as we're now on the back half of the regular season, and that will do it for this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Brian, Taylor, Devin, back there. Appreciate everybody for tagging along. Folks, we'll be back on Wednesday or Thursday to talk Game of the Week and our usual preview in advance of the, uh, the upcoming slate of games on Friday. Otherwise, folks, you enjoy the remainder of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. Performance Food Group delivers more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. If you want to get in on that process, PFG just might have a spot for you. Their McKinney office is currently hiring. Job openings include Class A CDL drivers and warehouse order selectors, as well as many other entry and part-time positions. An ideal choice for college students or people just wanting to find new careers in general. Uh, for more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com slash careers for more job openings. If you prefer to contact them by phone, you can call at 214-491-3130 for more details. Once again, that is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.